welcome to the podcast of Follow Baptist Church. Our vision and mission is to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged and inspired by this message. For more information on Follow Church, you can visit our website at www.followchurch.com.au. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew. We're going to be reading chapter 27, verses 11 to 26. Today we're continuing our Easter series, which is called It Is Finished. If you don't have a Bible with you today, there's a Bible at the end of the row. And so you can grab a hold of that and use that. If you don't own a Bible, that Bible is for you to keep. That's our gift from us to you. And so feel free to take that home with you and uh, study it for yourself. So Matthew chapter 27, verses 11 to 26. If you've got a church Bible, that's page 680. If you don't, you just have to find it yourself. Matthew 27, starting at verse 11. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now, it was the governor's custom at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the crowd gathered, Pilate asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? For he knew it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Christ? Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and he washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It's your responsibility. All the people answered, let his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. I'm going to now invite Dave Ford and he's going to come and bring the message for us today. Thank you, Luke. Good morning, everyone. It sure is an exciting day today, isn't it? I always loved seeing people get baptised and publicly professing their faith in Jesus and hearing their stories of how their lives have turned around. So that's exciting. As we walk back in here, Trace whispered in my ear, isn't it the coolest thing? Um, And yes, indeed it is. The other reason, of course, it's exciting is because it's Easter next week. Uh, Last week, Dave Griffiths told us a story about his friend who said, I actually like Christmas, I like Easter more than Christmas, and I couldn't agree more. I'm the same. Christmas gets all the hype and the attention, and Christmas is great because we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But if it wasn't for what happened at Easter, then we could just as well celebrate the birth of any famous person who did some good. We might celebrate Gandhi Mass, or you know Mandela Mass, or Abraham Lincoln Mass, or whatever. But we don't. We celebrate Christmas because it's all about Jesus, and the reason why we celebrate Christmas is because of what happened at Easter. So Easter is great and that's another reason to get excited. It's also an exciting day because it's a church picnic 
So I'm not going to talk for too long this morning because I know you're all just hanging out to come around and enjoy the picnic. But sometimes when we preach, we just look at one little passage at a time. And so it's important to remember the whole, the big picture. And that helps us understand why Easter is so significant. Because the whole Bible is a story of reconciliation between God and man. Right at the start, God made everything. God created the heavens and the earth and man. And the next significant thing to happen was what we call the fall, where mankind decided we could do things our own way. We turned our back on God. We would rebel. We would would live live life our way and not God's way. And the Bible calls that sin. And because of that, God, God is perfect and God is holy and God is righteous and therefore mankind and God were separated. But God had a plan. God didn't just think, oh, well, it didn't work and abandon us. God had a plan which he put into motion. And the, the title of this whole series is called It Is Finished. And because at Easter, the work was finished, the work of redemption, the work of reconciliation, where Jesus came to pay the price, to take the punishment. And when Jesus hung on the cross, he said, It is finished. And that's why Easter is so great, because Easter is the ultimate triumph of good over evil, the ultimate victory of life over death. And most of all, most significantly, it's the ultimate triumph of Jesus over Satan. So Easter truly is something to get excited about and celebrate, and that's why today is a great day. Now, the title in some Bibles, the title for this passage, the little heading is, the trial of Jesus. And it's important to note that if Jesus had trials, it's fair to assume that some of us are going to as well, isn't it? And I don't know about you, hopefully you've never been literally on trial at a court, on trial for your life like Jesus was, but we all have challenges, hardships, trials in our life, don't we? If you haven't yet, then, well, stand by. <laughs> but, but it's important... I think the significant thing about this particular trial of Jesus was this was actually inflicted upon him by religious people. Isn't that sad? You would think if there's one place on earth he can be safe, it's with God's people. But sadly, as we heard from Catalina today, and I know for a fact from talking to other people here today, that sometimes we get hurt and bruised and neglected and wounded by religious people, by religious institutions. And it's just a fact of life. Even more sad than that is that some people then say, well, I don't believe in God anymore because of what his people did. And that's really, really tragic. I think there are two things we need to learn about the fact that this trial of Jesus. And the first is you can't judge God by what people do. I know, you know, we're all different in how our brains work and some of you probably know about the two halves of the brain and one half of your brain is very, very logical and the other half of the brain is very, very creative and artistic. And I've got to admit that for me, the creative artistic side is a little bit lacking. I'm extreme, <laughs> extremely logical. Um, all these tests you always do, I'm very much on the logical side. And so to me, it really bothers me when people would say, oh, I don't believe in God because of what people did because it's not logical. To me, it's like saying... Well, my neighbour had a loud party and they were a bit of a rat bag, so I don't believe in my suburb anymore. It's ridiculous. It's like saying some athletes cheat and therefore I don't believe in organised sport. And much as we would like to, to wish this, but sadly the Essendon Football Club still exists. (laughs) 
<laughs> Apologies to the SNN fans. But, but you know what I mean? It's like saying, well, I know about a politician who told a lie, so therefore I don't believe in the government anymore. And I know you might lose faith in the government, but you still put your bins out every week, don't you? <laughs> so sometimes it's just to say I don't believe in God, A, what you choose to believe makes no difference to the truth, and secondly, to say I don't believe in God because of what people did, it's just not logical, and it makes a, a sad situation, turns it into a tragic situation. And so that's the first thing we need to remember is don't judge God by what people do. But secondly... I think we need to learn not to be like that ourselves. We don't want to pass on pain to other people. You know, you've all heard the golden rule. Some people think the golden rule is whoever has the most gold gets to make the rules. <laughs> and when you look at how the world operates, sometimes you think maybe that is true. But it's not really. The golden rule is to treat other people the way you would like to be treated yourself. And if you don't want to be hurt and abused and neglected and abandoned and manipulated by religious people, then don't do it to others. So that's the second thing I think it's really important to understand the significance of this particular trial of Jesus. So don't judge God by what people do and don't pass on that pain. Just the other day on Friday, Trace and I, we've joined a, a walking club Every Friday morning, um, we go out for a walk with a, just a group of people and they're not church people or anything, so it's just a great way to build some friendships in the community. And Friday just gone, it was bucketing down rain, so we didn't actually go for a walk, but we still caught up for a coffee. And one of the ladies was telling a story about she'd seen this student in school uniform acting like a real ratbag. And she was really mad as she told the story about how she wanted to ring up the school and write a letter and just bag them out. Because in her mind, the entire school was tarnished because of the actions of this one particular student. And much as we may not like it, it's the same for Christians. We go to church, we profess the name of Jesus, people expect us to live a certain way, and when we let them down, all of Christianity and even God himself gets tarnished by our actions. So we need to be mindful of that. Now, obviously, Jesus is the hero of this story, the main passage we read, but there are other characters in play as well. And I just want to look a little bit at some of those other characters. And the first one is the chief priests. These, these are the ones who inflicted the pain on Jesus. And this is not just religious people. This is the religious hierarchy. This is people who really should have known better. And yet they were the ones who caused Jesus the pain, the grief, the anguish. And we don't want to be like the chief priests. The second key figure was the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. And as you read through the story, you probably noticed that Pilate was a coward. Pilate knew Jesus had done nothing wrong. He said, Look, why? What has he done? In other, other Gospels, he says straight out, I can see no reason why this man should be punished. And yet, he didn't have the strength of his con convictions. He didn't have the courage just to stand up and say no. You know, the... the the chief priests, they were the loudest minority, they were the squeakiest wheel at the time and Pilate just caved in, just gave way. And there's an old saying you've probably heard that evil prevails when good men do nothing. And Pontius Pilate, he knew better but he didn't have the strength or the courage to do anything about it. And for you men, you can also learn from Pilate's story, listen to your wife. <laughs> So we don't want to be like the chief priests. 
And we don't want to be like Pontius Pilate. And the other person to feature in this passage is Barabbas. Now, Barabbas is described as a notorious criminal. He was a murderer, he was a ratbag. And Pilate, in trying to get off the hook, he thought, if I give him the choice of who to release, I'll give him Barabbas, this murderer, this mongrel that nobody likes, who thoroughly deserves to die, or Jesus, who's popular with the crowd, he's a teacher, he's a healer, he's a miracle worker. I'll get off the hook. And so Pilate thinks this is his solution. But sadly, the chief priests were so consumed with hatred and anger with Jesus that they actually convinced the crowd to say, no, we'd rather have Barabbas released than Jesus. So as we think about Barabbas, though, and his actions and the fact that he was he was a rebel, he was a murderer, he was an outlaw, you probably think to yourself, well, I sure don't want to be like Barabbas. But sadly, I have news for us all this morning. We are all exactly like Barabbas. Hopefully, we're not murderers. If you are, well, you know, no, don't have to tell me. That's, 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 that's between you and God. <laughs> that wasn't in my notes, thanks, mate. Um, but we are, we are all guilty of something. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Not the wages of murder, not the wages of grievous sin, not the wages of continual sin, just the wages, the consequences, the results of sin is death. And all of us, at some point in our life, we have chosen to live life our way. We have done what the Bible would call sin. And so we deserve punishment, just like Barabbas. And all of us, just like Barabbas, we get to live because of what Jesus did. We get to be set free because of what Jesus did for us. So you may not want to be like Barabbas, but let us thank God that Barabbas is in this story because he represents every single person on earth. We're all guilty, we're all deserving of punishment. We're all actually worthy of death, spiritual death. But because of Jesus, we get to go free. Now John 3.16 tells us quite plainly, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only begotten son, which is Jesus, the hero of the story. Jesus who, who died at Easter, who rose again, who took away the punishment, and John 3.16 continues to say that anyone who believes in Jesus will not die. We all die physically, but we don't have to die spiritually. We will have eternal life. Now, if eternal life's not worth celebrating, then, you know, I give up. Because that is truly something to celebrate. So we, Jesus died in our place, just as he died in Barabbas' place. So we can go free. So the hero of this story is definitely Jesus. And yet Jesus has been abandoned by his friends. He's been falsely accused. He's been stitched up in an absolute farcical mockery of a trial. He's been let down by a gutless governor. He was flogged or whipped and handed over to be crucified. Now if you're used to watching movies, this is the point of the story where there's a sudden twist in the plot. Okay, all of a sudden, you know, you've seen the Shawshank Redemption, all of a sudden, oh, what do you know? He's been digging a hole for 20 years and he escapes. <laughs> <coughs> um, this, is, this is where the long-lost friend from the start of the story that you'd forgotten all about suddenly comes riding into the rescue and sets him free and everyone is it's great. And you think, yes. Well, there's no twist in this plot. Spoiler alert, Jesus dies. 
Come along on Friday to hear about the, the significance and the magnitude and the importance of the death of Jesus. There was no sudden happy ending in this life. And for ourselves, we all have trials in life. And sometimes we expect God to suddenly just snap his fingers and fix it all up and make life wonderful. But sometimes our trials last. They go on and on. They get worse. Sometimes they get better, but sometimes they even lead to death. And that's, again, why Easter is so important. Because in this life, our trials and hardships may lead to death. But because of Easter... We have hope in the resurrection. And that's why you definitely need to come along next Sunday and hear about the resurrection of Jesus, the most awesome thing in the whole history of mankind. And that again is why Easter is so great and so worth celebrating. We all have to die eventually physically, but we don't have to die spiritually because of what Jesus did at Easter. Eternal life is definitely something to celebrate. So this Easter, I just want to encourage you all to think about Jesus. If you've been at this church before, if you've heard Luke preach, you know the vision of this church. Jesus is our vision. And we desire, we aspire, we work towards loving him and serving him and being like him and representing him in our community for his glory. And so this Easter, make that your personal goal as well as our corporate church goal. Make that your goal in life. If you are someone here this morning who has been bruised and wounded and offended and hurt by religious people in the past, then I urge you this Easter to forgive, just as Jesus forgave you. You know, Jesus in the Lord's Prayer said, forgive us as we forgive others. Sometimes I know it can be it's hurtful, it's painful, but I encourage you, let this Easter be a turning point in your life as you forgive people who've hurt you. And maybe you're here this morning and you have never before given your life to Jesus. You've never really thought about his significance in your life. Hopefully you've been inspired this morning by hearing four people share their story of what Jesus did in their life. Maybe you've heard this Bible passage about how Jesus didn't defend himself. Jesus, the son of God who could have called down 10,000 angels from heaven to rescue him, but he chose to just endure it because he knew eventually he had to hang on that cross. He had to pay the price for us. Maybe you've never thought about what that means in your life today. So let this Easter be a turning point in your life as you can open up the door in your heart and say yes to Jesus for the first time. If you would like to do that, please come and talk to Pastor Luke, talk to myself. Don't let this opportunity pass you by to let this day change your life. Let's all truly have a really great Easter.